All right. So welcome to Simper Summertimes with Denny. Um, Mac, thank you for coming on. It's short, no, uh, short, short notice. Um, yesterday I just hit you up and was like, hey, man, are you available tomorrow? And you were like, hell yeah, let's do it. So thanks for joining us on Simper Summertimes, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So for those of us who don't know who you are, who who is Mac? What is um, Leatherneck for Life? What you know, who is Mac and what did you create and why did you create it? All right. So uh, I was in the Marine Corps, uh, Sergeant 0331, deployed to Iraq in 04, got out and uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of timeline wise, um, about five years ago was doing some um, kind of like video production marketing work for a charity called Building Dreams for Marines here in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. And while I was at one of the board board meetings for that charity, uh, I met uh, the two owners of Leatherneck for Life and they were selling apparel, Marine Corps licensed apparel, and they were looking to help fund this Marine Corps charity program that builds or kind of outfits Marines homes with uh, disabilities to be handicap accessible. So this Leatherneck for Life apparel company wanted to help support this charity. And so we sat through the uh, uh, board meeting and I talked about all the different ways that I could help this charity through marketing and video production. And then the other two owners of Leatherneck for Life said, hey, uh, liked what you had to say, would you be interested in helping uh, our company? And so I worked with them for a few months, uh, helping with social media and, and stuff like that. And then they offered me a part ownership of the company um, to kind of just come on and be a part of the company because uh, they liked what they saw and uh, they didn't really want to be on the social media side of things. They wanted to be in the production and uh, apparel side. So works out well. And uh, yeah, so I've been with them for about five years and companies growing and making shirts like this. That's dope, man. Yeah. So how did you, so how did you get into the whole marketing thing and, and stuff like that out of, after you, like, how did the Marine Corps transition to you into that? Like, how did you find yourself in that part of the world? Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious transition to go from machine gunner to video production. I don't know if I really have to connect the dots for you, but, um, no, my, so my dad was in production, um, all growing up through, uh, my childhood. My dad was into, you know, different forms of marketing. And uh, he worked uh, as a freelance video engineer for ESPN. And uh, so when I got out of the Marine Corps, um, he had kind of helped me explore some opportunities on that side. And I've always, always been kind of uh, creative. I like to draw and I like to produce and shoot videos and stuff like that. And I've always been into movies and how they're made. So getting behind a camera and the technical side of all that worked was really interesting to me. So when I had the opportunity to kind of do some work with ESPN, I jumped on it. And uh, so I, I, you know, I still do that. I, the way the video production sports broadcast industry works is most technicians are freelancers. Uh, we're all kind of in a pool of guys and we all just kind of jump around and do different events across the U S and well, the world actually. And, so I still do that. I still work for ESPN as well. Oh, wow. So how did you find yourself joining the Marine Corps? 
like with you talking about your father doing broadcasting and stuff like that like I, i'm assuming like, was your father in the military or no were you, um were you uncles person? both my grandparents uh both my grandfathers navy and air force um i had several uncle, uncles that were navy and marine corps um so i had exposure to it but i didn't have any intention of like right out of high school being like i want to be in the marine corps that was never a thing um in fact we had a couple uh you know i wasn't a bully in high school but i definitely teased people and there's i remember there's two kids in high school that were they always had like bald shaved heads and they always wore like camouflage pants and we'd call them gi joe and make fun of them so my joining the military was never a thought um for me but um due to my dad's kind of work he moved um and we we lived in a new city and i didn't i was just graduated out of high school i didn't have any friends in this new city and um i changed jobs and uh i was sitting in the mall lost contemplating life wondering what the hell i was going to do with the rest of my life and a marine recruiter walked in wearing dress blues and that was uh it didn't take much really (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so did he did he approach you or or did you approach him he approached me he he kind of threw out the question like the question i was already subconsciously thinking what am i doing with my life he kind of asked he's like yeah what are you, what are you doing with your life yeah and i was like honestly i i couldn't tell you there's no i thought i knew um but then when my family moved it kind of i mean i was only 18 so it's not like i had huge plans for my life but yeah, yeah, yeah. the job that i had at the time was pretty decent and i had a lot of friends where i grew up and and i kind of at least figured i would just continue doing what i was doing but then when it all yeah. kind of changed for me it left me kind of lost so uh and the recruiter presented the challenge you know i he had me come out and do the initial strength test and ask me some questions and i was never super athletic so I didn't like excel by any means. And he kind of was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if the Marine Corps is really for you. And then as soon as he said, he kind of like dangled that out there. Like I, maybe I couldn't do it. Um, I was like, yeah, I'm going to show this bastard. Like, <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, yeah, so I went hard and, and, uh, joined. So how was, um, how was your time in the Marine Corps? Did you did you enjoy it? Did you? I would I would hope with you working for a company named Leatherneck for Life and with you wearing you know Marine Corps apparel that the the fact is you enjoyed it. But then you know we have those people who say they hated it for four years straight. Then as soon as the they EAS, they now become the most motivated people in the world. So which one yeah. of the two were you? Uh, I would say I'm somewhere in the middle uh, of that. I was never a stellar marine by any means um i was rifle expert and first class pft not every single time but um i joined in 99 and then you know when 2000 uh september 11th happened in 2001 um i was i've always been like enjoy humor so i was gra- i gravitated towards the marines who were um quote unquote shitbirds. Um mm-hmm. not because they weren't good Marines, but because we didn't really take the Marine Corps authority concept yeah. uh as seriously as mm-hmm. many people did. Yeah. When some kid who was two years older than me was like acting like he was God's gift to earth and 
screaming at me about, yeah. you know, making sure that my face was shaved properly. I just found all that stuff humorous. I was like, yeah. what, what does this actually have to do with combat? I was like, if you give me a rifle, I'm going to be as proficient as possible with this rifle. Like I was, you know, I was a machine gunner. I loved the 50 cal, the 240 golf, the Mark 19, like belt fed yeah. weapons were my jam. Like no pun intended, but yeah. that was, uh, <laughs> I love that part, you know, being driving around camp Pendleton, flying around in helicopters, you know, shooting thousands and thousands of rounds. I loved all of that. I loved being in the field. Um, Garrison wasn't so much of a, you know, making sure that all my camis and everything were, I was in the generation where we still had iron camis, yeah. you know, we were woodlands, wow. spit, spit boots, stuff like that. Um, I saw the value in how the discipline side of the Marine Corps was of the strictness. I, I got all that. Um, but I didn't take it super seriously. Um, I didn't picture myself to be the next Sergeant major of the Marine Corps by any means. Um, and then we went to combat. Um, you know, we were, I was deployed to Iraq in 04. Um, and then, uh, you know, I got wounded, um, in 04, uh, roadside bomb, uh, suicide bomber detonated, blew up our Humvee. And thankfully in that instance, no Marines died, but several of us got wounded and, um, you know, so that was a pretty raw experience. And then when I got out, I wasn't, I mean, I was proud of being a Marine. I think the Marine Corps, um, in general, most Marines like to tout the fact that we're the best or the hardest branch or, you know, all the typical jargon that we like to throw out. I thought that was funny, but I never really, I'm not like that. Some of those cats you see where they're truly believed because they went through Marine Corps boot camp. They're, some, they're somehow better than, you know, anyone else. I like to yeah. rip on other branches, but be, but because I think it's funny, not because I truly believe that I have any kind of superiority over anyone. Um, so when I got out, I wasn't super oorah by any means. I actually didn't own a ton of Marine Corps shirts or hats or anything like that. I had a sticker on the back of my truck. You know, I obviously had my purple art license plate on the truck cause that gets you out of tickets. Uh, but, um, you know, I, when I started working with Leatherneck for Life, now I've got a closet full of every shirt that we make. So I wear them more out of, hey, more free shirts. Yeah, <laughs> I'll wear it. Awesome. So I'm probably more moto by <laughs> default than the average guy. But just because that's what my closet is full of. Because, I mean, to be honest, we make pretty cool stuff. And, and the yeah. quality is good quality. Like, this is a really nice soft sweater. It's my favorite sweatshirt. I love the OD color. Um, yeah. And uh, so I wear them when we got, you know, these hats or, you know, good quality stitching and stuff. So I wear our stuff because I like, I like it. Um, but I don't, I'm not like, you know what, I'm going to get out there and represent the Marine Corps for the 365th day this year. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I get it, man. It's funny talking about the, your purple heart on the car, on the license plate. So a buddy of mine, his, his name is Saeed. Yep. And it's spelt say I E D. Okay. And he has a purple heart and on his on his uh lifted pickup truck his license plate is bulletproof. Nice. And he has his purple heart uh license plate. Yeah, and mine just, mine says Mark funny. nineteen. Because <laughs> yeah. that was the gun that I had when I was deployed. So Damn. So how is so for people who don't know, like how is that experience being deployed in Iraq? 
in the height of you know the war in 2004 like what was that experience like because like i know like for me from my experience in afghanistan i was there in 2011 so like it wasn't the height of the war yeah ieds were still going off yeah there was stuff going on but like being honest like yeah we took pop shots yeah we had some firefights but like we weren't in the shit every single day it wasn't like it was in 2004. So like, what was the mentality that you had as an infantryman on the ground doing your job day to day? Like, how was that mentality? Well, I mean, we're all young kids. So, and this is the first time we'd ever been outside of the US. Well, I mean, I'd been outside the US, but never in a combat, true combat zone, like condition one, driving out, like legit locked and loaded everywhere you go always. Um, so that was, that was surreal. So, and the other thing too is the Marine Corps is just so interesting on, I look back and like the flow of information is, it's just, there's a lot of things if I could change about the Marine Corps, I would. And I think every Marine would probably say that based on their own experiences. But so when we landed, we took a C-130 from Kuwait and we landed at Biop. Um, and no one explained to us what that, fob and transition and how we were going to land and what that would look like. We, we just wasn't explained to us well. Yeah. So I'm picturing, you know, the back of this C-130 opens up and it's going to be like the scene from fucking Saving Private Ryan and there's going to be bullets flying in the back of this thing. We're going to have to jump out, roll on the deck and take cover and start shooting back immediately. I have no idea. They didn't say, yeah. like, we're landing in the green zone. You're going to, like, get out of this thing slowly chill you're gonna go sleep in a tent for two weeks and eat at this badass chow hall and you know then you're gonna be bored out of your mind for two weeks and then finally some humvees are gonna show up and then you're gonna drive an hour south and actually set up your fob and then start conducting so it was like you had to kind of on the fly just adapt yeah. constantly because you yeah. had no idea no one was really explaining to you what it was gonna be next um and so you know you get this heightened anticipation basically of like what combat is going to be. And then you are like, Oh, well it's not that. And then it's really hard not to become complacent because you go through these long periods of time of just boredom. And it's like, well, this isn't really that much different than being on camp Pendleton. Um, I just happen to have actual Mark 19 rounds loaded up right now. Um, And there's not, it's not like, you know, when you see, you know, old war movies where you're like, all right, the Germans are on the other side of that field. And as soon as you see one, you shoot them and you know what they look like. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's like you're driving in a, you know, a shithole village and everyone looks the same. And the weird thing too about Iraq is like, you're so young and you're kind of almost conditioned to, not like those people because you're going there and you feel like those people, all of those people as a group are the reason why you're there. And all of those people as a group have something to do with September 11th. And so I just remember looking back now as a, you know, a grown man with a family and kids and, and you see those people as people with families and kids, they just happen to live in a different part of the planet. Um, But I do give a lot of credit to our battalion commander. Um, He kind of tried to instill uh, this idea of sturdy professionalism with us where, um, 
you know, we didn't go there to be thugs or cause collateral damage or leave that country worse than when we showed up. Um, he was very adamant about we're more violent and effective and better trained. And, and if it comes to a firefight, we will win. But we're not over there to just start lighting everybody up either or hate people like we weren't we weren't rude we weren't mean we tried our best to be polite and kind and and we i learned very quickly i had younger brothers that were you know at the time i was 18 years older than my youngest brother so the kids that were running around in the streets to me were similar ages to my younger brothers yeah and so when we started getting extra care packages and having all this excess people were so um, willing to give and send us stuff. It was overwhelming. We would take all the excess stuff and we'd load it up in boxes and bring it out into the town. And, you know, we'd stop and we used it as a way to get to know the locals. So we'd give them shampoo. We, I remember, you know, if you had a pair of tennis shoes or a soccer ball and you gave it to the kids, it was like, you might as well give them a million bucks. Like they, it was the craziest, best thing you could have ever given someone. And when you did that to the kids, then the parents of the kids, would come and they would, you know, talk with us and they'd give us information and Intel and we used it. And they actually were able to provide a lot of actionable Intel just by being kind to them. So that was pretty cool. Everything all good. Sorry about that. My dad called me and it interrupted. So I'm oh, no worries. <laughs> Say hi to pops for me. So, well, yeah. So um, that was like the posture, I guess we, we, uh, we kind of had to roll with the punches and see what happened. And then when things started getting hot, when we actually started losing Marines to, you know, we had a lot of indirect fire. We had a lot of, uh, roadside bombs, um, mortars. We had a couple of rockets fly right into our base, um, hit the, uh, um, conics box where we kept a lot of our ammo. Um, and then we started, you know, we had a boomerang system so we could kind of figure out where it was coming from. And then they were like, all right, QRF, like <laughs> go out there and find these guys. And I remember that was when shit started getting real is when we became more than just driving around waiting to have something happen to us when it became now you have an actual house that you need to go kick the door down and go roll these guys up. And if they give you any lip whatsoever, you know, that's why you have bullets in your gun. Um, so that became, that was interesting to see that transition. To what we were talking about being in, being in Iraq, you know, you were giving, um, you were donating stuff cause you were getting extra stuff from people and you were doing that because you had family and your younger brother you said was back home. Yep. So why were you doing that though? Like, was there a specific reason? Was Why were you doing what? Like, Giving the stuff? You, why, yeah. Like, why did you decide to do that? Like other people may not have done that. Oh, um, well, Hey, we had a surplus 
of all the stuff we would never need. Um, I was just going to sit there and get, th- it was either throw it away or give it to people. And um, we just, you know, felt like the right thing to do is if there's people in our area that were needed something, then we had it, we should give it to them. Um, you know, and, and it was, it, it to me, it seemed like very quickly we started realizing that the Iraqi people were human beings just like us. Um, and uh, it was cool to watch transition from guys be not racist because of we were racist, but you just, you, you'd never been in Iraq before. The only thing that we knew about Iraq was that they, they were the enemy and we were there to go kill bad guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, but then when the you drive stuff. around in their city for six months and you see them farming and their kids are just running around the streets and trying to go to school and they have gas stations and police stations and, you know, little bodegas and all the same stuff that we have. You're like, Oh, well, they're they're not really that different from us other than they look a little bit different in the clothes they wear and they live in a desert climate. Um, But other than that, like when you start seeing acts of kindness and you know, people be kind to us like for no reason, then you're like, Oh shit. Like, I, I need to be kind back. Um, and then yeah. it just became mutual. And, you know, we would do things for the kids. And then in turn, we'd watch the parents watch us be kind to the kids. Cause the kids were just being kids. Like they didn't give a shit. There was a Humvee with a machine gun on top driving down their street. They're just running around the street playing. Yeah. And then they see us standing on the, you know, and then we wave to them and they wave and then they come chat with us. And next thing you know, we're hopping out of the truck and goof around with these kids and, they just, they weren't scared. They didn't have a reason to be square, scared. So we would yeah. ch- chat with them. And, and it was honestly weird to see that that was like the point of entry to gather intel from the locals mm-hmm. is to interface with the kids and by giving them toys and candy and, you know, chocolata, Mr. Mr. Chocolata. And, you know, next thing you know, they're they're They had sense of humor. They were, they were funny little dudes and they would, you know, there was a language barrier, but facial expressions and just, you know, body language is easy to recognize. And when they're goofing off and being funny, we would goof off and be funny. And next thing you know, you got little buddies and then, you know, we'd give them stuff and they give us stuff back. And then you'd see the mom come walking out. He's usually, that was like the kind of the order is the kid, then the mom. And then dad would always be like standing off behind. He would like be stoic. And he was just like, yeah, I'm not messing with these assholes but the mom would come over and, and then we'd give them shampoo and shower, you know, whatever food. And then she would talk with the interpreter. Next thing you know, there'd be like, Hey, three houses down, bad guys. You know, they call them Alibaba. And so we'd be like, all right, we'll go check out Alibaba. And we go kick down the door. And next thing you know, there'd be stacks of cash and AK 47s everywhere. And we'd be like, all right, zip ties. And, we'll go drop you guys off with the head team and see what, what we get. And then we put 1600 people in Abu Ghraib, just, just us within the seven months that we were there. And, um, uh, our Colonel claims, I don't know how many, he said it was more than that, that we dispatched. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but we get in some pretty intense firefights too. Um, you know, we, we, we were near, we were South of Fusion near the Alma ASP, uh, we were in the Sunni triangle, the triangle of death. Um, and, uh, it was wild. 
um, you know, we, we, we got into some firefights. Um, I got to, uh, see what the Mark 19 really does, um, in a real life application. So that was, uh, and I got to watch her jam in the middle of a firefight. That was fun. Ooh, yeah. Watching, watching your primary weapon system decide that it was going to tap out while you need it. Uh, that was, that was actually not a good time. <laughs> I, can, I can't imagine how that felt. Like that yeah, it was, it was probably, that was definitely up there with the worst moments of my life. <laughs> when your primary weapon system is yeah no no go yeah um like so bullet did... bullet holes in my ammo can after that firefight oh my god yeah wow the ammo can that was holding 36 grenades <laughs> oh wow <laughs> yeah. thank god thank god for that yeah, yeah, it was a good times so yeah i mean <laughs> the thing about that stuff the, the the when i look back at the marine corps yeah. I think my big takeaway is I've experienced moments of pure insanity. Just so when I live my life now, I have this unbelievably different uh, um, like source of context. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like if, if I watch and it, it makes me probably a little bit more, uh, for my own situations to be like, Oh, this isn't so bad, but yeah, it also yeah, makes 100%. me a little less sympathetic towards others. It's so when I bad. see people complaining about the dumbest things and I'm like, yeah, but have you ever been in a firefight and your Mark 19 stops working and you're getting shot at and bullets are hitting the grenades that are supposed to be there for your ammo, but they're actually now basically an IED right next to your face. You ever had that happen? No. Okay. So what you're telling me is you should just shut the fuck up. <laughs> Bro, I'm so glad that you brought that up because, like, I've had 105. This is my 105th episode, and and all the Marines that I've spoken about, we've never talked about that. And it's so true because you've become so numb to the world. Where, like, when you're ha- like when someone's having a bad day and you're working with civilians, and they're like, "Oh my God, we have to have a conference call at three o'clock," and you're like. This is what we're mad at. Like we're yeah. mad at this right now. Like for instance, right now at my job, the elevator hasn't been working. <laughs> there is a mass email that goes out daily. Everybody, when's it going to be back up? When's it going to be back up? When's it going to be back up? Yesterday, the the campus head sends out an email and he says, "Good news, we got it fixed. Bad news." They have to come back to recalibrate it, but everybody's out with COVID-19, so they can't be back for another month. So it's going to be out for another month. <laughs> and let me guess, you guys Every- are on the second floor? And we're on the second floor. <laughs> everybody, and, and everyone's like bugging out. It's like, oh my God. And it's like, dude, it's one, fl- it's like maybe two flights of stairs. Yeah, like- that's actually funny because that's a, that's, I try not to have pet peeves. I really try not to because... I think that all that becomes is just like you're you're telling yourself like no I have this trigger so every time this happens mm-hmm. I'm giving myself an excuse to be angry and become an asshole. Oh wow, I never so thought about it like that. So I try not to have pet peeves, but if there were a pet peeve, one thing that I do observe is that when I'm in an elevator and I see someone get on a floor and then get off the very next floor, I just find that I I I guess I changed my opinion of it. I did now I just find it amusing. I was like I, I personally would rather take if it's like between one to three stairs or sets yeah. of stairs. I like to walk because yeah. yeah. at this point I'm like I'm I'm starting to get older. I'm in yeah. my forties now. 
And I'm like, I'm going to look back and be like, I wish at some point I'm gonna be like, I wish I could do the stairs. You know no, what I mean? There's a, I have a buddy of mine that I did just cause we're on the stairs topic. I did an episode with this guy. Um, his name's Scott. He's from New Jersey and um, he's a double amputee and he's blind. Before he had lost his legs and his his, his eye his eyesight, he had done the tunnels to there's tunnels to towers and then there's the tunnels to like where they climb the stairs of the towers. Yep. So so he he had done it before he was an amputee. So after he had lost his legs and his eyesight, he was laying in the hospital and he was like, "Hey, I want to get back and I want to do it again six months from now." Yeah. So he climbed 79 stairs, 79 state cares, cases with no legs yeah. and no eyesight. And like when he told me that story, I was like, bro, like, why, how could I ever again complain and not yeah. about taking a staircase, like not taking the elevator for two flights of stairs? Like if this dude did it with no legs and then you and you start to look at things like that and like you're saying, like. You're you're seeing these things in Iraq. You're seeing these children with nothing, and it gives you more of an understanding of like, wow, like my day is never going to be that bad again. Yeah. Well, the funny thing too is, um, you say my day is never going to be that bad again, but sometimes I find myself almost wishing my day was that bad again. Mm. Because that's another thing that. So you have like that context, right? You have that point in your life that everything else compares to. And when I, uh, it's just, I think part of it is a lot to do with my personality. Um, But when I look at like my worst days or my, my best days or whatever, in my worst day, I was still feeling an extreme emotion. Mm. And when I have like a day that I'm just bored yeah i i think to me my hell is that complacent or groundhog day is like what i like to call it it's like that same mundane if it's just like the same nine to five grind yesterday is exactly the same as today and tomorrow i i usually get to that point where like you know what i'd rather be in a firefight again bro so what do you do about that because like that's me right now my day is that i hate it I yeah. hate it. Like, what do you do? to? Because I cannot stand that. Like, I tell my wife all the time, bro, like, I hate getting up, going to work. Like, I hate just, I, I we're not meant to live like that. That's not right. like the life, that's not the life that I've ever wanted. And right. when I was a Marine Corps recruiter, that was the life that I made fun of. Right. But now, here I am, not on active duty, not a Marine Corps recruiter, and now here I am, you know, going to an eight to five job, coming home from an eight to five job. And it's like, dude, like, that's just not it, man. Like, yeah. That's just. So that's a super deep question to ask. I mean, that's kind of like a meaning of life kind of question to ask. Yeah. Um, so there's not an easy answer to it, but I'll do my best with what I kind of was, was thinking about off the top of my head. A couple things. So. I basically became really depressed because of that type of situation. I didn't realize why I was becoming depressed, but after hundreds of hours of counseling and lots of self inflection or reflection and as a journey of like trying to figure out who the hell I am as a person and why I tick. Um, yeah. uh, I realized that like just my personal personality 
is one of like, I need a lot of stimuli to like be interested in life. Um, and then having an extreme amount of stimuli for a short period of time really like made me aggressively almost addicted to adrenaline and addicted to like this feeling of like intense, whatever it is. So yeah. now like I've constantly searching for some sort of intensity. Um, but the counselor that I was seeing uh, several years ago, now it was like four years ago, I think, um, a great guy. Um, it was interesting because I never would have expected the insights to come from him because he wasn't a combat veteran. He was not like someone that I would look at and be like, oh, this dude is going to like have all the answers. It was just yeah. like um, he was a doctor, you know, um, but he said that um, I need to and I was really I was losing interest in the things that I enjoyed. Like I had a dirt bike at the time and I just was I was not interested in driving it. Like it became a more of a chore to like get it loaded up in the truck, drive to where I ride, unload it, then ride. And he's like, why don't you, is that, do you really like it? And I'm like, yeah, but he's like, well, why didn't you write it? I'm like, because it's like just a chore. And, and he's like, that's the depression. That's the part of your depressed state. That's telling you that like, you're looking at all the negative sides of it. He's like, do me a favor, just like you would schedule your work or any other thing like your meals anything that is part of your survival or your day-to-day -day, like necessities it's like those moments of hobbies or enjoyment or whatever it is need to be scheduled in your life just like that and taken as high a priority as anything else it's part of your survival your mental health and your enjoyment of life are such a high priority that we overlook he's like you need to make that important to you um and so i did and it felt stupid i loaded up my dirt bike i took it out drove it and it took a it was a probably like 20 or 30 minutes in of riding before i realized i was actually enjoying it yeah and i remember calling him the next whatever session and i'm like i was like you're a freaking genius dude like i don't understand why but it it was like i had to break through this mentality of like I didn't even like the things that I actually like because I was like somehow lying to myself. And that stuff to me is still kind of, it eludes me why that is the way it is. But um, so now I've kind of gone on this journey of like, and my wife, I'm so I'm married. I've been married for, I think we're going on 13 years now. Um, and uh, so we married right after I got home from Iraq and uh, she's gone through all the ups and downs and all the trials and tribulations. And she's been, ride or die through all of it. Um, yeah. And uh, so she's seen all of this and she's gotten to know me just as much as I've gotten to know myself. And so the things that, and she's super, super uh, supportive of yeah. me. And she knows, cause she's not like me. She's not someone who needs like Bro. risk or. Bro, my like, wife is the same way. Dude. Yeah. Like, I'm like, like everything you're saying, uh, I relate to because like when I was on recruiting duty, I was always out. I was always talking to somebody. I was doing something. I had to be doing something. And then I would come home from like, I'd be up at 5 a.m. and not home until 10. And then I'd be like, hey, where are we going? What are we going to do? Who are we going to go see? Yeah. And like, and now that I'm in a, you know, I work from home or I work at the office, like I'm always like, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And my wife's like, 
why do we always have to do something yeah why can't we just do nothing and i'm like and like so that's how my wife is like she's completely okay with never going anywhere right. never going out to see anybody like she's like hey man i don't have to do any of those things yeah but me i'm like like i just want to go do something like yeah well and for a marriage it's really important to understand each other um yeah. so my wife tends to be more introverted and my i tend to be more extroverted um but understanding what each other prefer and what each other enjoy and we spent you know so much of our marriage kind of like battling it out trying to get each other to adopt our own or each other's preferences versus yeah. getting to know each other and saying oh i didn't know that about you i don't really understand that about you but i think it's cool and if that's the what makes you happy and that's the way you are then i want to encourage you to do more of that and if that means that you and i aren't like doing everything together every minute of the day then cool because we're individuals like you should go do what like we each get one life and it's short yeah. and so you need to spend the time that you're on this rock figuring out what it is that makes you smile and go after it hard i mean i've you know i right when i came home from iraq i had a crotch rocket and i drove it like a maniac and i crashed it and again you know six months after or six weeks after i came home from combat i almost died again um and uh but that adrenaline rush was so addicting and so um just last year um my wife bought me a uh um it's called extreme experience and you go like race like uh supercars um oh, wow. you get to go out on a nascar track and you drive oh, and shit. um so i did that and then like the next week i got like an email saying you can do the same thing but now it's a drag strip car right so I did that and it was like a, a rail car. Um, and I was thinking like these things would be like super expensive on it. And it's it was a couple hundred bucks to go down yeah. a drag strip. And I was like, that's so then uh, a couple months later, I bought a hot rod 67 Camaro and it's all tubbed out. And it's like, it's basically a drag car. So that's nice. getting kind of worked on right now through the winter. But this next summer, that's going to be my outlet um, is to go take this car to the drag strip and just go get some, some adrenaline, you know what I mean? Damn, um, awesome. and then, you know, we live in new England, so we get, you know, the car is not going to be on the roads, but, um, I didn't know how to ski really well, uh, until a couple of years ago. And I was like, you know, if I live here, instead of just sitting in the house throughout the winter and being miserable, I need to find a hobby. Um, and so, I learned how to ski and uh, I found another Marine who lives near me and he's a badass snowblower snowboarder. A snowblower. And, uh, he's a good snowblower. He's a snowblower. He comes over to the house and he snowblows for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, he's great. He's, he's, you know, one of those guys that's hard to keep up with on a snowboard. Um, and we're going to ski three times this week. Um, oh, nice. And uh, so uh, he's we're actually, we went today and we're going to go again, again tomorrow. Um, oh, damn. But that's the kind of stuff that I realized is that's what makes me happy. That's what, you know, my life needs to be filled with is excitement. And it doesn't have to be like super extravagant like the, yeah. um, but it's just, if you're, per I think it's important too for people, anyone in general, it doesn't have to be Marines or military or veterans or anything. But if you, they have um, 
personality tests that you can take and it and they're really interesting i did one because i was kind of going through like a uh, workforce training kind of thing um and i got some you know professional stuff out of it but i got this insane amount of intuition just in my own personal life because it explained to me what my priorities as a human being are Mm. and it, it, it they were not what i thought they were i was living my life thinking like this on paper is what's important to me and then when i did this test and it was like very important that you'd like answer 100 honest even if you don't think he's like don't answer what you think someone would want to see you write down yeah. Answer yeah, what yeah. you really believe that's the most important part about it so i did it and i got all these things back and i was like wow holy cow like this stuff is not what i expected and then i start like living my life knowing that those are my actual priorities and it's it's definitely been uh interesting to watch and change and then i have a lot more personal growth to do but uh um i can say for for a fact that my life is a thousand percent better than it was three years ago for sure mm, mm, no doubt so for you how was the transition out of the marine corps and into the civilian world like was that tough for you was that like trying to like coming having come home from iraq and then getting out of the marine corps like was that an issue transitioning out um yes and no um it's not a it's a hard question to answer um with like a single sentence um but so there's there's a lot tied to maturity i think um because you get out of the marine corps you're still young yeah. at least i was you know i only did one tour um and i got out right right after you know i picked up sergeant and then i was done um yeah. and uh so i still had a lot of life and i was like you know early 20s and um you do the classic comparing civilians to the military you know like all oh, these people are undisciplined they're nasty they don't do things yeah. the way we do and all the typical <laughs> nonsense that we all say and it's true a lot of it's true um but at the same time, like people are people. Um, and if you get to, if you just treat everyone as if they were a human that deserved the mutual respect of being a human, um, I learned really quickly after moving from the South to New England uh, that um, I was in a much more liberal mindset of people up here. And yeah. that, that was a hard transition because I was leaving a military. And then I was also leaving a Southern style upbringing, a Midwest basically upbringing. Um, and uh, so that was culture shock. Um, but it was eye opening too, because I never really considered myself uh, remotely liberal at all. Um, but what I do see is like the liberal mentality of like, or the the root like the core belief that people would say like the purest version of it is to like help people mm -hmm. um and that purest idea of uh that i say i i would agree with um i would probably go the exact opposite approach as a classical liberal mentality as far as like being so over the top and giving and more the same mentality of the Marine Corps is like earned um, yeah. would be my 
So yeah, that, that was different, difficult to kind of go in. And other thing too, is like, I, I, the nice thing about being a freelancer is they don't really have like a classic employee boss relationship where I don't like mm. go to an office. I don't report to a boss and yeah. work for someone. I'm more of a contractor. Um, and that, that probably helped a lot to not have to work for a company <laughs> like that. Yeah. And that's how, and then Levinick is, you know, other veterans and, and it's, you know, being an owner, I kind of get to kind of make my own decisions. Yeah. Um, so that was a little bit easier. Um, I will say uh, after doing some counseling and talking with uh, making a friend who was a vet center counselor, um, one thing that he did say to me um, that kind of was mind blowing was that, uh, you know, I, I was having expectations of my wife and my kids that I would of junior Marines, how <laughs> the uh, instant uh, obedience to orders or the discipline or the intensity or the, you know, situational awareness, like all the things that we come to expect as the norm. Yeah. You just, you have to realize that other people are not taught or have not lived that life. Yeah. And so he basically said to me, he's like, yo, dude, dumbass, they're not Marines and they yeah. never will be. They've never yep. experienced that life. They've never been to boot camp. They've never been to combat. They don't know what you have experienced and they never will. Yeah. Uh, so chill out. <laughs> Bro, it's funny because like my, I, I've, I, I really, I went to a counselor when I came over from Afghanistan, um, but like, like two or three sessions, but like everything you're saying, my wife is the one who tells me this. Like my yeah. wife's like, Doug, I'm not one of your boots. Yeah. My wife's like, Doug, I'm not one of your recruiters. Stop talking to me like that. I'm going to yeah. get it when I, I'm going to do it when I do it. Like yeah. I'm not doing this. <laughs> so it's just funny. Like everything you're saying, I'm like, wow, I, I literally relate to everything you're saying. Yeah. And the interesting thing about <laughs> just picturing conversations I've had with my wife. Um, it's funny how, when your spouse says something to you, the weight that you take with that statement coming from the source yeah. um, versus a friend or a counselor or a professional, like your wife could literally say, you know, read a verbatim sentence. And then you'd be like, yeah, huh, yeah, whatever dude. And then a counselor says it a literally exact same way, but you're like, because this guy that's got like a, you know, a title, in front of his name you're like oh fuck it. i've never heard that before and your wife's sitting next to you be like i've Bro, said this to you 14 times you fucking my, dickhead my wife is watching this right now so oh, i'm sure she is and it's a good thing I, she is because i tell your wife i got her back <laughs> Bro, I can only imagine her face right now downstairs, but it's funny because, like, I do that. Like, I'll ask my wife a question. I'm like, hey, what do you think about, like, this shirt? Or what do you think about this quote? Or what do you think about this? And she'll give me her answer. And then I'll call my buddy and be like, hey, Gunny, what do you think about this? And he'll say the exact same thing she just said. And yeah. I'll be like, bro, that's a fucking great idea. Yeah. And she's like, are you fucking kidding me? I just yeah. said that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude, it's it's hard to, you know, I think both back and forth, you know, spouses, we marriage is just such a weird institution. It's such a weird concept to me. It's such 
there's so many things about marriage that just isn't taught. You, you know, no one sits you down and says, all right, you're about to get married. Here's some good training. Here's some, here's a, here's a period of instruction on what it looks like. Here's to a PowerPoint. Be a, yeah. Like you just, cause you, you're a person and you've lived your life and you've developed habits and, you know, you know, priorities and, you know, these, this is where you are. And yeah. now you have to commingle literally every aspect of your entire life with another person. And you both look at each other like, and there's so many unwritten things about marriage where you're like, well, you just expect you to like be different like now because we live together and I expect you to respect me. Like, how do you expect me to respect you if you don't know me? Like, you don't really know a spouse until you've lived with them for 10 years. Like I've lived with my wife for 14 years now. Yeah, We have two kids together and we're still getting to know each other. And we've made massive growth in our marriage in the yeah. past five years. And it came down to, you know, like, a, I, I, I think that it's a pivotal conversation that we had not too long ago, maybe two years ago where I just really realized I need to spend more time figuring out who the hell I am as a person. Um, because I needed to know what my priorities were in life because I kind of felt like I was living life for others. I was living life as a dad, as a husband, wow, as a yeah. provider. And I was doing all these things and I'm like, Whoa, where's the time for like, me i feel like i'm being put on like the last priority and and I, that's part of like where i was feeling very depressed is because like everything else felt like it came first and me came last um and you know i thought for sure that our our marriage was was about to be done and um but i realized it was like i looked at other people who were getting divorced and i saw them turn into like mortal enemies and I was like, and that to me just boggled my mind. I'm like, how do you go from, I want to spend my entire life with this person to now I hate them. Yeah. I was like, where was that transition? And I was like, yeah. well, how did you do that? And so we came, we, I remember we went for a drive in our car and I told my wife, I said, listen, I don't know where we're headed. I have no idea. I don't really have like any intention or desire for us to like separate but i also am just questioning whether or not where we're like we're both not happy so why are we doing this together like why are we continuing to be unhappy yeah. and she was like yeah this is like some heavy shit and i was like this is this is like a really uncomfortable conversation we're about to have but it's important we're both going to feel super uncomfortable with this but it's we need to like dig deeper and have a more real relationship with each other for us to really be married and what, so i said what, what made you want to have this conversation like where did this come about i, I reached like, a breaking point i knew that there was more to life and i knew that i was missing out on experiencing life and i felt like i wasn't being 100 percent true to myself mm. i felt like i wasn't actually allowing myself to be me and i felt like i was holding back because I had been telling myself that's the way I had to be because of my wife and I was feeling resentment towards her because of it. And so we just needed to work some shit out. I said, and I told her, I was like, I don't know that you're going to actually like the real me. I think that you're going to get to, I was like, I think for me to be truly happy, I need to start being me for real. And I think that you might, and I, and I apologize. I was like, I told her, I'm like, I'm sorry that I must've not intentionally 
been putting on an act. I've been acting like what I thought a husband and a father should be, but it's clearly not working out for me because I'm being something that I'm not. And I was like, maybe, and I, and I kept coming back to like, I feel like I'm a selfish asshole. And then she said, she was like, you can't go around sustaining this lifestyle of like filling other people's cups. If yours is completely empty all the time. She's like, if your cup is full, then you've got excess and you can give, but if you're not doing good for yourself first, and that's was my mentality. You always have this like charitable versus selfish mentality. And everybody tells you like, you can't do that for yourself because that's selfish. Like, well, if you're not taking care of yourself, how can you be good to anyone else? Cause you are, you're lacking. Yeah. So I remember saying to her, I'm like, root down to the core. I was like, all I want to know is, or all I want to say is that I consider you my best friend. I have like guy friends, but like my wife knows me way more than anyone yeah. else does. Agreed. She's seen me at my hundred percent worst and she's seen me at my best. And she, she knows she's like the one that's rooting for me always. And yeah. I said, so whatever happens in our life, I want to make sure that we build the tightest friendship that we could ever have. And like any other friendship, like barely even scratches this. I was like, because we have kids together, we've like built a life together. And I don't want to just blow that up because I feel like I need to go do something different with my life. I was like, so if we decide that we can just be best buds first, I was like, let's just do that. And then if we decide that we want to be romantic too, then let's let that part of relationship grow. I was like, but when I think about a best friend, I think about somebody who I could tell him or her anything and not worry about what they're going to say. Like I can just be so honest and so blunt and just be like, yo, I need to hit you with some, some serious truth and you might not like it, but I can trust that you're not going anywhere after I tell you this to me, that's like what a best friend is. And she was like, yeah, hundred percent. So then we started operating on that like playing field and it was crazy how much, how closer, how much closer we got as friends and then how much better our like romantic life was after it too. And we, so we became way tighter and now like we used to have just the worst, like worst fights where we'd be like screaming at each other. And then we'd have to sit down and like talk about the fight for four hours and be like 2am and we're still, and I just wanted to like, why are we still talking? This is a fucking waste of time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And now we just, it's insane to think back, like how much time, like I can see the couch that we've sat, <laughs> we sat on this couch and just, I remember staring at the wall. Like we just hate, not like necessarily hate towards her, but hate towards the situation. And I couldn't like, I'm like, how do you ever make progress in a marriage when all you feel is hate yeah. and like anger and resentment? And I was like, we need to like, why why are we just angry at each other? This yeah, is stupid, yeah. and this is not the way you live. So, yeah, we've made some that's some awesome. serious strides. And Dude, uh, it's just it's just awesome hearing that though, because like we're surround, especially in the world in which we live in, you're surrounded by people who would have just taken the ladder and said, "Hey, you know what? Let's just go our separate ways." And even with children, you know, people are like, "Hey, man, it, it is what it is. Like, whatever. We're just not going to put in the time." So it's yeah. awesome to hear that like you and your wife did that and that you're doing, you're still doing it because it's onward movement. 
Yeah. But so how like now when this was going on, like did your kid like, how old are your children? Yeah, two boys who are ten and twelve. Okay. So were they cognizant of what was going on or not really? Like it was just like Oh yeah, yeah. Um our youngest is very aware. Um and uh we would do a good job. We wouldn't I mean we had moments where we would be yelling at each other and they could definitely hear it. Um, but we even in our worst, I think, tried hard. One of us usually are <laughs> would be aware that the kids were listening or watching and she'd try to like cool me down. I just had, you know, part of being a Marine, especially being in combat and especially being a machine gunner where your mentality that's been imprinted on your soul is fire superiority. Mm-hmm. You see, an objective and you see an opposing force and your only tool Mm. in your pouch is to suppress with fire and overcome and obliterate and, Mm. you know, push through the objective and come out the other side with nothing but a wake of destruction behind you. Like that's your only understanding of how winning something work, you know, works. And because I remember my wife saying all the time, she's like, I'm not your opponent. I'm not your opponent. I'm like, well, you're fighting me. Yeah. <laughs> you're fighting me like one. <laughs> wow. Bro, so now Yeah, that's crazy that you've identified that. Like because a lot of people wouldn't have identified that about the situation. But yeah. a lot of people don't correlate that. They don't say, "Hey, this is how I've been trained and now this is my life and this is the way I I go at these things because that's just the training that I received and now even through on my 30s, 40s, 50s, the rest of my life I go back to that because that's what I was trained to do. That's yeah. crazy that you, you know, through your counseling and through your conversations that you've been able to correlate that to your conversations with your wife. A lot of it has to do with, I think the first, one of the first steps is identifying and accepting or admitting you have an ego <laughs> and then allowing someone, I think, you know, when you said you had a couple sessions of counseling, yeah, um, I would encourage you even if you feel like things are great, go get some more counseling because people have given the idea, like even in the Marine Corps, we called the counselor, the wizard, the wizard. And we made it into like this negative thing. Like if I go see a a therapist, like I must be broken. I'm like, no, you don't expect to pick up a rifle and be instantly proficient with it. Like no one says, here's your M16. Now go fucking be an expert with it or you're done. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they give you weeks and weeks of staring at a goddamn barrel, you know, without even bullets in your magazine. And then yeah. you, you build from like such a base level understanding and you work on it. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with your own personal life. Like there's just so much about life that we don't get taught. And yeah. the whole purpose of going to a counselor is to say, yo dude, the feelings that you're feeling are legit normal even though you're a combat veteran you're a marine and all these other things like yeah i get it you've got ptsd yeah so does everybody else like people combat veterans in general like to latch onto this like i have ptsd and it's broken and it's changed my life i'm like so does the kid who watched his parents get killed in a car accident so does you know all all even the small versions, people react to PTSD in different directions. And the reason they do it is because your brain has 
saw something traumatic and now it has started working on protecting itself from ever feeling that emotion again. Mm. But your brain doesn't know that when you do things to protect yourself from pain, that a lot of times it's the worst thing you could possibly do. Our defense mechanisms are for survival. They're not for consistent living. They're just from that momentary. I don't want this moment, but when you live that way, that's when the PTSD symptoms like take over and your life becomes this pointless day-to-day, you know, shit show. Um, And so when, and you got to find a counselor that's good. Like they're not all great. You got to kind of go in there with the same, you know, mentality of anything else. Like, can I relate to this guy or girl? Can, you know, do I trust them? takes a while to build trust and you're going to have to be vulnerable. Uh, vulnerability is a super hard thing for men in general. Um, yeah. cause you don't want to go into a, a, uh, um, counselor session and just lay it all on the line. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You got to kind of like peel it back in layers. But if I was going to give anyone advice for ever going to a counseling session, you should go in there with goals. You should go in there, do some serious like soul searching and figure out what your goals for your life are like and write them out and be like, yo, I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I don't want to be a dickhead. I want to be able to whatever it is that you want, write it down and then share that because when you go to a counseling session and they just start being like, well, tell me what bothers you. And you start like, I don't want to say listen to a, to a bitch fest. You know what I mean? Like complaining about everything. Yeah, right. But if you went to anyone, any person of any kind of like, like just picture like a teacher or a coach or anything. Mm-hmm. If you say like, if you just start complaining at them. They're going to be like, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if you yeah. say, yo, here's where I'm at in life and here's where I want to be. They're going to be like, cool, that's something for me to work with. Let's just figure out how you get there. That's what yeah. you should look at a counseling session like. Mm-hmm. It's just, I want to make progress in these areas. How do I get there? Yeah. So what, what are your, what are your goals? What is your future endeavor? What is your, like your hopes for the, the future for yourself? Uh, so my personal priorities in life, um, the things that I consider the most important are uh, freedom and creativity mm. are, um, and then um, I'm an extrovert, so I like to uh, hang out with people, enjoy time with people, I like to have fun. So I'm working really hard to uh, hustle, make you know decent money, and put as much of that away as I can for a solid retirement. Um, and uh, I I want to be um, kind of like. I guess I have a few more things where I want to grow to where I feel so solid with who I am um, that I just feel resilient. I guess resilient is my kind of core word where it doesn't really matter what happens around me that I can just still remain unscathed or unfaltering by it. Like it just like I'm, I am who I am. It doesn't matter what's going on around, around me. Um, I want to be a, you know, a good example to my kids. Um, and then, uh, you know, I just want to, I want to move somewhere warm <laughs> and have palm trees in my life and be out on the water fishing a lot. Um, cause my life to me, like the ideal life is, uh, a lot less work than play. I want to, so 
uh, I like I like to work hard, but I like to play harder. Um, so that's kind of my ideal lifestyle is to to play uh, as hard. As, you know, people you see are like, God damn, why does that guy get to do all those things? And I look at people like that, and I don't feel jealous. I, I want to go have a conversation with that guy and be like, dude, why do you have that car? Or why do you have that boat? Yeah. Or why do you How have that you lifestyle? How'd you get there? Yeah. And I bet, you know, people I've met that I ask that question, most of them will be like, cool, man, I'll teach you. I'll show you. Here's here's what it is, and they'll lay it out. And sometimes it's like, it sounds like it's black magic, but it's really not. It's just, yeah. it's just consistency and hard work and, you know, being disciplined in the short term so that you can have a, a you know, a, a goal achievements in the long run. Um, and I've done some pretty crazy things with my life that I would have never thought I'd been able to do. And I've done, um, and I just want to keep pushing harder and doing more fun things in my life. And, 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 you know, I like podcasts and I'm writing a book right now. Um, and, uh, the more, that I can share because I've, I've felt like I've gone so far from where I was and made so much progress that I feel like it's my responsibility. You know, one, I think, I think my favorite part about the Marine Corps was the educational side of it. I loved how serious they took training. I loved that they pushed towards a perfection in proficiency, you know, perfect practice equals perfection. You know what I mean? Like all those things, like when they gave me the rifle and they started giving me like instruction on how to be a expert marksman. Yeah. I was like, that's all I wanted. I wanted to be the best marksman in the battalion. And I was one of the first Marines to get the ACOG because I was one of the better shots. Wow. Um, and I loved that. And I loved when you taught something and then they were like, Hey man, school circle, go teach your guys about this shit. And I loved yeah. getting my guys together and being like, yo, I just learned this and I'm gonna teach you. So I do really enjoy, uh, talking about the things that I've learned in, in an instruction style. Mm. So I think that would probably be another one of my goals is to, um, cause there's just, so, I see so many people, who struggle with all the shit that I've struggled with. Yeah. And I just think it's pointless. There's no reason why people should struggle with the things that I struggle with. There's no reason why we can't all have awesome relationships with our wives. There's no relation reason why we can't all be awesome dads and awesome friends and awesome employees and awesome bosses. Cause most of the shit that you see that you're like, what the fuck is going on with this world? It's, it's just like people kind of fumbling around and not really behaving the best way they possibly could dude right and i just think that no i agree it's like some of it's just common sense like hey man hold the door open for someone and say thank you Mm -hmm. like hey man just be a normal human being just say hi to somebody it's it's like the simplest stuff i got a friend who's a vet center counselor he actually retired and 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 unfortunately it wore him out he, he really, he was an army medic and then he joined, uh, he did volk rehab counseling first and then vet center counseling. Um, and it just wore him out. He just saw so many people hurting all the time and he did whatever he could to help them. But so many people chose suffering instead of peace and, you yeah. know, prosperity and all these things that you could have done with their lives and it just wore him out. But he stays consistent with his message. 
and I see him on Facebook all the time. And his message is always choose kindness. Like he, that's what he preaches always. Yeah. And I'm like, there, that's like one thing that I could be so much better on a daily basis yeah. is just like, you know, for me, um, road rage was a big deal. You know, I just, I got a big lifted truck and I bro, would get so rage. pissed off and be how stupid people are. Uh, um, but that's still my problem. It's funny because when I was on the phone with the VA doing my claims, the woman was like, so do you find that when you drive, you flail your hands, scream and hit the, the, you know, hit the steering wheel. And I was like, yeah, isn't that everybody? Yeah. And she, and she was like, she was like, do you have roid rage? I was like, well, yeah, doesn't everybody? And she was like, well, no, you're not supposed to. Yeah. And I, and I was just like, wait a minute. So I was like, oh, wow, this is not a good thing that I, I'm banging in my head against it and I'm screaming and I'm flipping people off and I'm holding the, the, the porn. Yeah. Yeah. So I think to, um, a kind of a big problem that I have with the veteran community in general is the adoption of the word disgruntled mm-hmm. as if it were cool. Yeah. And I'm like, so what you're telling me is you're pissed off. You're mad. You're sad. You're depressed. You're a dick. And that's what you choose to be your life forever. Yeah. And you're going to say that as if it's cool. I'm like, yeah. I've lived that life. I know what it feels like. I know what it's like. And I can tell you when I'm being 100% honest with myself, it ain't fucking cool. It's miserable. Yeah. Why would I want to be disgruntled? Bro, you know I, what I want to be? I want to be successful. I want to be happy. I want to yeah. be an awesome example for my sons. I want to be a super kind, sweet gentleman to my wife. And I want people who interact with me on a day-to-day basis leave their life is slightly better because they hung out with me for a bit yeah. versus I don't want to see that dickhead again because every time I'm around him, he just, he's a jerk. And yeah. so that would be my, if I was putting up billboards everywhere, <laughs> I'd be crossing no, this Ronald off and I'd be like, dude. go back to like what I remember in boot camp. They would talk to us about Marines were like knights in shining armor. Like we were, these guys who were like a, a cut above the rest. Like we were the dress blues with the sword and we were bright and shiny. And we were like, you know, nothing mattered. Nothing got to us because we were the fucking best in everything. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they looked up to us and then, and you see that and you're like, okay, cool. What does that look like? Well, that looks like a gentleman. That looks like a guy yeah. who holds the door open for a lady and says kind words to people and, and is professional yeah. and honest and, has all those, you know, characteristic traits that we remember from boot camp. We're leaders. We're we're men who change the world, and we do good. Like we're we're good guys. That that's the good yeah. guy. That's what we are. But if you're running around being a dickhead and being mean and swearing and punching people and getting into fistfights and road rage and all these different things, and wearing shirts that say "Stand on my flag and I'll kick your ass," I'm like, okay, yeah, that's cool. I get it. The flag means a lot to us, but also does it mean that you just have to like pop off and like start fighting people randomly over it? Yeah. Cause that's not what I would want my memory to be is I just run around randomly punching Americans <laughs> who didn't yeah. agree with me. Are we fighting for freedom of speech and freedom and all these things, but then we're going to yeah. run around and act like we're going to tell people what to do too. So yeah. 
I don't know. There's a lot there. <laughs> Obviously, no, I can bro. run my mouth for no, hours on I, end. <laughs> dude, I because I agree with you, man, and and it's you know, and that's one of the main reasons why I started my podcast is because you know I wanted to speak to people like yourself, entrepreneurs, people who are doing different things with the with their Marine Corps traits, and because all you ever hear about is people who you know, are disgruntled veterans, veterans who got out of the Marine Corps and can't stand the Marine Corps, or they get out and they don't do anything with their abilities and they blame all of it on the Marine Corps and they blame it all on PTSD and, you know, what weighs me and all this shit. And it's like, okay, well, why don't we do something about it? And, And like you're saying, you know, with the fact that everything that you and your wife have gone through, everything that you've gone through with your sons, everything that you've gone through with PTSD or, or depression, like all of those things that you've gone through, you can now use those things to teach somebody else, hey, before you go through these things, you don't have to go through them because I've already gone through them for you. Right. Yeah. And and that's the beauty of it. Like and that's the and that's the part that sucks about life, but that's the beauty of life. And that's why we go through those storms. That's why we go through those seasons is so that we can tell other people about those seasons so they don't have to live through them. Or if you see a friend who is living through that season, you can be like, hey, man, I know what you're going through because I've been there, but maybe these are some things that you should try out. You know, Maybe these are some things that you should try to do or whatever, and, and it's awesome that you're doing that. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I kind of want to just go over before we end this and, and cap it up is m- your podcast. What do you guys talk about? Do you just bullshit? Is it like what? what is the premise? What's the purpose of it? Why did you start it? So... I started Outside the Wire podcast three years ago, and it was right after I had finished going through um, like a two-week con. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. It was through the home base program, um, kind of funded by the Red Sox Foundation. It was in Boston, uh, but it was a two-week intensive ICP intensive clinical program. I think it was called. But anyway, it was basically like I was at the point where I'm like. I'm so lost and depressed and frustrated and angry. And I, I just legit don't even know. I, I, my life is, it can't continue down this path. I'm done. And so they, they put you up in a hotel, you do eight hours a day, classroom style, legit, like intensive, let's pick your life apart and figure out what's what's going on and give you some actual tools. And it started out basic as shit. Like, breathe <laughs> like if you feel angry count to 10 and breathe like as simple as that and then it built on that like once you're chill and you've breathed and you've taken yourself from threat con delta whatever flames <laughs> flying everywhere down to like i'm back to me again now what do we do now how do we identify the problem at the root and start making some progress and so i started the podcast to talk about that <clears throat> and I started with another Marine who was uh, also a combat veteran Marine in 2003. He was in an AAV in Iraq and got hit in the face with an RPG and blew half oh. his face off. And so this dude had been through wow. some serious physical trauma. Um, wow. And so he and I started the podcast together. Great dude. Uh, lives in my town or lives uh, in my state a um, couple towns over and he's a police officer now. And um, great guy. Um, we didn't quite have the humor chemistry on the podcast, um, but we had, you know, a lot of good shit to talk to a lot, a lot of good shit to talk about, uh, COVID hit. And then he wasn't as able to come 
to my house and do the podcast with me. Um, and then I met uh, the owner of K-Bar Soap um, and we started the Mac and Clay kind of shenanigans. And we just have a very similar sense of humor. We met on Instagram and uh, over the past couple of years became super tight uh, best friends. We were in Iraq right on the same time. Both Let's go. Um, sergeants, both, you know, just like salty ass war dogs. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like we just get it. We just click on everything. Um, yeah. So I had him as a guest on my podcast because he was a business owner. He's a Marine combat veteran. I was thought he'd be great. And this cat shows up and he's like, Hey man, um, I like your podcast. And I, I, I read this book by Brene Brown I'm like, who's that? And then my wife's like, I know Brene Brown. And she's like, you know, all excited. And he's like, it's a book about vulnerability. And I was like, I got an idea. It's my podcast, but you host it. You run the podcast. I'll be your guest. It's, it, and it was, I was like, just flip it. You, you tell me all about your book. Tell give me a little book report and you do it. And so he does this book report. It's all about vulnerability. And he talks about like, you know, how important it is to like be able to actually be real authentic, even though it's uncomfortable. If you want to really like make growth in your life, you're going to have to like actually say like, this is why I'm actually upset because um, I'm to totally insecure and I'm upset about this. And I, I don't know what you're going to tell me next. And I might feel even more embarrassed, you know what I mean? Whatever, but how important it is to actually make personal growth. And so I, I talked to him like after the show, I'm like, dude, it's, it's cool that you were like that genuine and real and honest. Like most jars would show up on the, on the show and be like, yo man, let's talk about combat and badassery. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I smoke cigars and I wear cool tough guy t-shirts and yeah. you know what I mean? And I'm like, this, this dude was just different. And, yeah. uh, but you know, not that different. Like he's still a fucking, He's still a war dog. Like dude, he's I normal... loved it, man. When yeah. I had him on my, when I had, he was like one of my first guests, dude. I, it was an amazing conversation. Like yeah. me and him were talking about doing another episode. I just haven't gotten back with him, but like, I just, I, it was a great conversation. Yeah. About, like, he's a good dude. Yeah. We became best friends. Um, we did a, awesome. uh, we both turned 40 right, uh, right around the same time. So we had a 40th birthday uh trip and i i went down to south carolina where he's at and we went fishing with nice. uh, matt matt from vets fishing and uh we liked it so much we just booked another trip for june of this year nice. and um but so then we realized that we had like very similar sense of humor and we were different and we kind of like um what's the word yeah and and <laughs> so we we yeah it's just so it's just it's the mac and clay show it is what it is yeah. uh unfortunately we're a little too busy to be consistent with it but we built a youtube channel we had like two million views on youtube and oh, um just you know making fun making fun of the marine corps and making fun of the military and just being silly and funny and you know but then also i think if that was going to be my ideal approach to mental health is like suck you in with humor and then hit you with like a dose of like reality and truth and be like, yo brother, I know you're laughing at that joke, but let's talk about like why you, why you dickhead to your wife. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know I mean? So that's the podcast. It's, it's, it's just kind of being real talking about, you know, whatever I feel like talking about in the moment and trying to be as authentic and honest and real. And it's all about self-improvement and being 
better human being um, and tying that into like my experiences, uh, you know, partially as being a Marine, but also just being a man, a husband, a, you know, a father and, yeah, and you know, stuff like that. So um, yeah, it's outside the wire podcast. It's available on iTunes and, and Spotify. That's dope, man. Well, Thank you for everything. I think this was a very, well, I know that it was a very different episode. It was an awesome episode. I'm glad that you were like as vulnerable as you were. I'm glad that you opened up about your family. I'm like, and it means a lot, man, to learn about things like that because, you know, like me and my wife, we've been together 13, 13 years. Um, but where, you know, we have, we have two kids, they're young. I have a two year old, a four year old, and then I have a third one on the way. So, like, it's awesome to hear like the ways that you're, dealing with your marriage is now it's like oh shit maybe i need to have that conversation with my wife or you know maybe you know there's things that we need to do and it's it's awesome because you know conversations like this are going to open up other people's minds yeah, um and that's really all and that's really all that matters at the end of the day yeah i mean a big goal for my podcast was not so much like my goal was never to be preachy like i don't want to like i see all these people who would like podcasts and like He's like, I'm gonna tell you how to do it, man. Like, here's my <laughs> ten step approach to being a better human being. Like, okay, cool, man. Get the fuck out of here. Like, yes, yeah, my approach stop. is like, yo, dude, I've lived it. It sucks, and there's yeah. a better way. And I, you well, can and, do, and you can thing. legit do whatever you want with it. But I'll tell you what I did. And if you were interested yeah. in hearing it, try it out. Let me know what you think. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. And the, but the thing is too that we have to remember is that like we're all different people. Right. So the way that you react to something is different than I'm going to react to it. The way yeah. that you're, because everything that you made told you just told me may never work for me in my relationship. But right. that's not what matters. What matters is that you brought it up, and yeah. it's something that maybe is a tool that I put in my toolbox. But that's the whole point of these conversations. Is it's never to come off like, hey, this is the only way, because there isn't only one way. Right. There's many ways. But it, all that matters is that you're transparent enough to share those ways with things. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. and and like what you were talking about before, it's crazy because like there's people that have gone through marriage their whole like for 40, 50 years, but never share anything about it. Like my right. father, my father was married to my mother for 17 years. Then they got split up and then he was married to another woman for however many years. He hasn't gotten that one right. But yet you don't give me any advice. It's like, yeah. bro, like you've you've been down this road. Like yeah. why why are we not talking about this road that you've already traveled on? Well people my wife actually kind of opened my eyes to this because I think people generally tend to slide towards the path of least resistance, mm. which usually means comfort zone and it means mm. no vulnerability. So like on a daily basis, you think about the conversations that you have with your friends, your spouse, your whatever coworkers, yeah. you don't ever out of the blue be like, yo, let's get super deep right now. I want to tell you about some shit that I'm going through and I want to hear your opinion. People are like, whoa, that's uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. you got to, so like Clay, he and I do it all the time, like daily, because you know why we've developed that relationship together. So he'll call me and be like, yo. I just had this like blowout with this person, whatever. And I'm pissed. And, you know, and then I I'll play devil's advocate or I'll I'll, lots of times just be like, yo, what do you want from me? And he's like, I just need to vent. I'm like, cool. And I'll say, and I'm like, all right, do you want my opinion? 
And he was like, yeah, actually, you know what? I do want your opinion. And I'm like, all right, well, I think in this instance, you could have done these different things better. And I would have done this differently. And then he'll stop and think, he'll be like, yeah, dude, I never even thought about it that way. And then I was like, but I don't ever give him any shame. I don't ever act like he did anything wrong. I just say, Hey, I'm an outward or outside, you know, you can, you can give me the whole picture and I'll just tell you like what I see from my perspective. And then you can do whatever. I don't care what you do. It's your life. I don't have zero yeah. judgment, but at least now you got a sounding board who's willing to like hear you That's awesome. and talk to your, like your deepest, darkest secret. And I won't tell shit. I won't tell that to anybody. I'll take that to my grave because it's none of my yeah. business. But if, if my goal is just to like hear you out and help you, then cool, I'll do it. And so we talk, we, we do it all the time. We do it for like business. We do it for relationships. We do it for like just random, like I just had this conversation with this person and I want to punch his face in. And I was like, man, did you count 10? Did you, did you breathe? Did you, did you like, what did you expect to like, what's the best case scenario for this situation? And be like, Oh, actually not punching the dude in the face and not ending up in jail would have been the best. And I was like, all right, well, why not, maybe when you like got to this point in the conversation and you realized shit was going sour, maybe you could have like done this instead. And then we like joke about it and we'll be like, yo, so next time, what do you think you'll do different? And we kind of like actually like challenge each other. But the whole goal of that relationship is like, we'll tell each other, I want to be a better whatever. And then we hold each other accountable. And I was like, how many people have that in a friendship yeah. with someone? I, I would don't. say probably nobody. Yeah, I don't have that now. And and I think that's, that's so wow. important to have in your life, like someone who, and I try to do it with my dad, and he's like starting to come around, <laughs> but I do it with my wife. I mean, we we challenge each other. We had some awesome conversations last night. My wife's, you know, interested in making some career changes, and and you know, I I you know I I give her advice, but I also like try to do it in a way that's not like preaching at her and telling her what to do. But it comes from a place of like, I want your best, most like awesome uh, outcome for this situation. Yeah. yeah. And and when someone's like rooting for you and like, you know, got got your back or in your corner, yeah. it's 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 refreshing to have conversations with people when it's like not just like, how's the weather? How was the game? How was, you know, the surface level shit when you like starting yeah. getting deep with people having deep relationships with people becomes like so much more impactful and real where you start craving it more. Yeah. And it's funny cause I have some friends who won't do that. And, and I just see them as like surface level friends. Yeah. And if I'm like going through something, I know that if I'm going through something, I'll call clay up and be like, yo dude, I just like, I, I got like some shit going on. What do you think? And just just by saying it out loud to another person and having them hear it, sometimes is all I need. Yeah. And it like it's like a pressure release valve. You're like, ah, got that off my chest. And then you like you don't bring that with you the rest of the day. Yeah. Wow. So that's the kind of shit that I'm trying to make cool. <laughs> I'm Bro, trying to like talk like that and be like, yo, yeah. no, this is what's cool. This is being a disgruntled veteran's not cool. Being a vulnerable, real guy with like his whole perspective in life is trying to be better than he was yesterday. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Dude, it, it's just, it, it definitely is, man, because it's just like you said, like you said yourself, man, like you have two sons that 
are looking up to you as a model and they need to know how to live life. Yeah. And that's you. And if you were that disgruntled veteran who's coming home yelling at your wife for whatever reason, or dinner is not done on time, or the house isn't clean, or all this stuff, and then your kids are like, okay, well, then I'm going to talk to mom like that, or yeah. I'm going to react to mom like that. And then you turn around one day and you're like, hey, why are you talking to your mother like that? And it's like, well, because you talk to my mother like that. And <laughs> yes. it's, and exactly. It's like, bro, and it's, it's just, you know, you think it's common sense, but it's just not. But, um, well, man, listen, thank you so much, man. I definitely have to have you back for another episode. Oh, yeah, for I sure. Absolutely. Like, I feel like we could go now that everything got figured out and we're back on live. Uh, thank you so much, man. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Go to, so where can people find you? Website, Instagram, social media? So leatherneckforlife.com is where we sell the apparel. Uh, at Leatherneck for Life is my Instagram page where we, you know, basically we do a little bit of the apparel, but I, mostly just Marine Corps memes. Um, I do a little bit of sketching and drawing on my Instagram page at uh, knuckle dragger blog. And then for our uh, YouTube channel is the enlisted club. And then um, the outside the wire podcast. Um, and then uh, you can find me on those platforms. And I got a bunch of random shit that I'm working on. I'm writing a book. <laughs> and I, and I, uh, at some point I'll talk more about that. Maybe when I'm closer to having that done, I'll come back on your podcast and we can talk about my book. Let's do it, man. Definitely, bro. Well, thanks again for coming on, man. I hope you have a good rest of the night and I uh, look forward to seeing some memes and, uh, you know, bullshitting later on in life. Yeah, buddy. Awesome. Thanks. Right. I appreciate thanks it. Lot, Take brother. care. We'll see you.